0: Welcome to Culture Eats Strategy. Eats Strategy with your host, entrepreneur Jamie J. Jamie J. On this podcast, we unpack the most powerful intangible culture. Culture. Culture is way more than a mission statement or words on a wall. It's how a company behaves. It's what informs every decision, action, and reaction. Culture is the invisible hand. The true north that guides every organization, and if you create a legendary culture, you will build a legendary company. A legendary company. Now, here he is, Jamie J. Jamie J. Hello, welcome back to Culture Eat Strategy, new episode with Chris Mead with CrossnetGame.com. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. You know what? I'm really excited to talk to Chris today. He's out of Miami. I mean, it's pretty cool that he's out of Miami. I'm here in Springfield. We both have remote-based businesses, 100% remote-based. So I'm excited to really dive into what Chris is doing. And we're going to talk about culture, obviously, and, and the importance of that and how we can do that with a, rem- with a remote-based team. But first, I want to let you know, especially during this time right now, and this is evergreen, so as of the time of this recording, we're going through the old coronavirus situation, and there's a lot of unknowns, and a lot of people wondering about working remotely, and I think culture is extremely important, and even more so in a remote-based environment. So without any further ado, Chris, welcome to Culture East Strategy.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man.
0: Yeah. I You know what? I'd love to learn a little bit more about who you are, a little bit about your background
1: before we kind of dive into this whole culture thing and, and what you have going on there. Yes. My name's Chris. We invented the world's first four-way volleyball net. Three years ago, my brother and our good childhood friend, Mike, we were all back together in Connecticut where we're from. And Mike had just graduated with an engineering degree and he said, hey, like let's invent something. I was doing a nine to five. I was working at the Uber headquarters in New York City. I was a sales director over there. And I was just kind of like, pretty fed up with the grind. I was making great money, but it was not something I wanted to do forever. And it was kind of like, let's go job hopping every 18 months and just get a higher paycheck, right? So we're brainstorming, four-way volleyball came to us and we Googled it. Nobody had ever created it before. And we're like, wow, this could really be something. So, so tell me about what is four-way volleyball? So we pretty much, we intersected two volleyball nets. We have manufacture it, sell it nationwide to some of the largest retail stores in the world. And so what it is, it's a combination of four square, which is a childhood recess game on a blacktop and volleyball. So there's four people in the square, one square each. And essentially you serve the ball over the net. And then from there it's returned and it's a free for all. You're trying to eliminate your friends by landing the ball in their square. And if you stay alive, when you serve the ball, you get one point. Games are played to 11, win by two. Sweet. So it starts. So if I can get this picture, there's,
0: there's two nets that are intersecting one another yep. it, and there's one person in each of
1: the different sections yep. and the last pan last man standing, I guess. Yeah. Well, essentially what happens is the ball lands in your square. You go back to the beginning. So everyone rotates and your goal is to get to the fourth square where you could serve. And that's the only square that you could ser- uh, get points in.
0: <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. So
1: if, if people are interested in finding out more, where do they go? FrostNetGame.com. Tons of Love instructions. It. You can buy it there. Everything's right there. That's
0: awesome. So this is, this is quite a big difference. I mean, what's really cool is about seeing the creativity of millennials coming up, using their backgrounds, their creativity, and all that kind of stuff. One thing that's remained consistent, I turn 50 next month. Mm-hmm. So I've been there. I've done that. But, I, but when I was your age, I was nowhere close to thinking like that. So you're on a, such a higher level than I am. I, I, I was in the army. I was partying. I was having a fun. I, I should have done a lot of things different. But I am where I'm at right now. And I'm happy with that. And so yeah. no regrets there. But tell me what drives you. Why, why do you do what you do um, to come up with these
1: ideas? Yeah, I mean, we, we grew up in a very middle-class family in Connecticut like on a farm, 45 minutes to drive to the movie theater. Like if you didn't get gas 30 minutes away from your house, you probably would break down. So we always had like aspirations to kind of have a little bit more in life. Uh, We're happy with what we had, but we knew that there's more out there if we just kind of put our mind to it. So when this idea came to us and we started rigging up a model, like we bought two nets from Walmart, tied them together, like, and we had our friends over and we're like, wow, this this is actually something really cool. And we're like, why not us? So... From now on we launched the company with just some cash in our bank account and we've scaled it to be a nationwide brand. And it's just three kids doing what they love. Like we wake up every day, we have com- complete control of our lives and it's really cool, it's a good feeling. That's fantastic, how did you learn how to do all of this? Um, just more trial and error. I mean I had sales skills from my days at like corporate America, just reaching out to people. Um, my brother's really good at social media, has been doing that for years. And my partner, Mike, is an engineer by trade. So we kind of all have different skill sets, which lead to us not stepping on each other's toes and having autonomy, right? There's nothing better. And we'll talk about that with culture. But I, as a leader, like I identify for weaknesses and strengths. And if you're good at something, I'm hiring you to do your job and not tell you how to do it because who am I to tell an engineer how to engineer stuff? So we kind of just let each other grow.
0: Okay, perfect. This this is where I this is this is where it gets into the nitty gritty and, and and we get to talk about culture. What is your definition of culture?
1: Um, I think it's just the way that people treat each other with respect and how they treat each other within the company and what the overall company stands for and, and feels like. For us, it's kind of like we're we're young. We're we know who we are. We started this thing when we were twenty four and twenty two years old. We're we're still. The kids, like my, my best time is when I get to go down to the pool at the end of the day and just hang out. And we know that the sales are coming in on Shopify. We don't overcomplicate things. As long as the orders get out, like we're we're fun. We're having a great time and we're building a brand new sport. So that's my definition is just people that come together, have a good time and be able to have respect for one another is what's the most important for me.
0: It, it seems that you're relatively fortunate in this, um, in that you've found there's, there's three of you that kind of started this thing and you're leveraging each other's strengths and being there for their weaknesses, right? So one person's strength may be your weakness, right? Where you guys can lend to each other. That's hard to find. It's really hard to find in this day and age, especially when you start doing well, um, Money starts coming into the picture. Things start changing. Have you had any growing pains, any challenges, and how have you dealt with that through establishing your culture? I
1: think our hardest growing pain has been order fulfillment um, because we've always, we're just growing at a pace that, one, nobody's ever built a four-way volleyball net, so there's no expectations, right? So being ahead of that curve is difficult when you outsource from overseas and you have a 70, 80-day lead time sometimes. So it's like, that's tough. Uh, we're in the coronavirus madness right now, but we had our best day ever yesterday and on pace to have our best day ever today to beat that. And it's the middle of March on a random Tuesday and like we did better than Black Friday. So it's hard to prepare for those things. So order fulfillment and taking that more serious with customer service has been an area that we struggled with uh, and one thing that we identified right away with freelancers and also internal staffing.
0: Perfect. So what I, what I like is that you are hundred percent remote, so you don't have any offices. Is that correct? No offices.
1: Uh, I have a Starbucks. We have a warehouse where we ship product from, but
0: right. Yeah. Right. So uh, what, when, when you say freelancers, how many freelancers do you have working with
1: you? So right now we have about a team of 20. Uh, it doesn't mean that all 20 are working every day, but we have department staffed for when projects are pop up. So what I mean by that is we'll have a team of coders, We'll have graphic designers, we'll have customer service agents, people who pick up the phone, people reaching out to podcast, event marketing, uh, banner ad creation. So they're all there and they all report to different people within the company. Uh, and we kind of just pull the levers when we need it. So how did you set that up? So we use a tool uh, called FreeUp. It's kind of like Upwork. Uh, it was just a good friend of mine who went to college with me, actually, who created the company. Uh, and it was just really easy to Nathan? find. Yeah. Fantastic. My, I've had him on. Yeah, he was my he was my first boss, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's me crazy. And yeah, me and Nate went to college together. So uh, pretty much I would just, uh, I think the one thing that we do better than a lot of other young entrepreneurs is like just identifying for weaknesses. I'm not a graphic designer. I know it's going to take me 40 hours in Photoshop to create some pretty crappy logo. Uh, I might as well pay somebody else for their two hours and get it done quicker and better. So we kind of just, Almost weekly, we'll write down stuff of like, where are we doing bad at? And how can we staff it? It's not just throwing money at a problem because that's not a good business model. But if there are areas that we can improve on things, we're doing it. So we started hiring, we kind of started getting department heads to oversee things, and started like recognizing what am I spending my time on that I shouldn't be spending my time on that we could outsource so I could be more productive. And you do that once a week? Pretty much whenever I can. Um, granted, there's not always new jobs to hire for, but mm-hmm. if I find that I'm spending two hours of my day doing the same old task over and over and over again, like let's, let's try to fix work.
0: That's fantastic. So how do you, when, when you talk to somebody, how do you decide that this person is a good fit for your organization?
1: Yeah. Um, there's two areas that I typically like balance. It's how much do they cost? Versus their their skill set and like how I value that skill. Granted, I, everyone's time is valuable. There's no there's no question there. Uh, but somebody on the customer service side who's just giving canned responses, compared to a twenty year old twenty year veteran graphic designer, they're obviously going to get the bulk of the budget when I can save on the customer service end. So when I look for that, it's more who has the time, who has the communication skills, who kind of vibes with our company and the people. I, I gotta like like to work with you um but I also understand I'm not going and kicking it on a Friday night with them drinking beers like they're overseas probably or somewhere else in the right. country so uh they just gotta be responsive I know when I send a text out to somebody I hope to get a response pretty quickly I live with my phone in my hand if you text me you're getting a response in five minutes unless I'm asleep so right I, right. I need good communication skills
0: so do you have any guidelines set forth? Is there, is there a vision for your company? Is there a mission?
1: Yeah, I mean, for our company, it's obviously just spreading the sport in every way possible. Our goal is to become one of the largest sports on the planet if we can. And we're doing that by spreading the game everywhere at the beach level, building professional partnerships with like Wilson Volleyball. We just signed a deal with Wilson, which is awesome. Hey, congratulations. Thanks. And then also in the, in the gym class level, we're at like 4,000 schools right now like volleyball is being taught on a cross net. So our goal is to spread a sport in any way possible. And the hires that we want uh, to come to our company need to reflect that mission and be down with that mission.
0: Right. So when you say vibe, what does that mean? Like you want to make sure someone vibes with what you have going on.
1: Just Having easy, laid back, good communication skills. I don't need somebody who's going to like make this feel like JP Morgan, right? Like we're running yeah. a Shopify e-commerce business where I'm running Facebook ads on a mom who's watching a 15 second clip of a girl playing in the backyard by a pool. Like it's simple. It doesn't need to be more complicated. Like, I love that. Yeah. Like I don't, we don't need anybody coming in with like this investor mindset or trying to throw cash at things and like buy us that like, we don't, we just need somebody laid back. who can have fun, have a conversation, get the emails answered and, and grow the company. So have you guys bootstrapped? Yeah, we started with 10 grand, uh, give or take, and we just keep doubling down. So we started with like 100 units, flipped 100, bought 200, flipped the 200, bought 400, and now we're buying like 15,000 at a time.
0: Holy crap. That's pretty
1: amazing. Yeah. That's pretty amazing to see this grow. How does that make you feel? It's cool. It makes me feel like I don't, we just need to continue to be resourceful and frugal. Like, I don't need a Lambo. I don't need a Ferrari. Like we have cash in the bank and we're we're growing for the long term. It it really helps you kind of stay grounded because we didn't take a paycheck for like 18 months. So we all just yeah, like even now we don't take large crazy paychecks. Like some of our employees are getting paid lit just a little bit less than what we're getting paid. But like we know that there's money there and we have this huge business. So it's cool.
0: That's awesome. So when how do
1: you deal with conflict now that you're growing? Yeah. Um, well, we got this uh, nice little FaceTime group. <laughs> we talk literally as soon as we hang up, I'll probably jump on the FaceTime. We, we're talking all the time. So we're able to communicate really well, which is really nice. Uh, sometimes there's conflict because Greg's my brother. So like we could put the uh, um, other opposite end of that is like we're able to be more candid and transparent than we would with just another friend or somebody who hired off like, the street. So mm-hmm. we're able to get really, really personal with them. We've known Mike since we we're 12, like growing up, playing soccer together in the backyard. Like, so we're able to have that conflict. Hey, we might be mad at each other for a day or two, but we get past it and we recognize what we're building here together. So how do you set expectations? Um, I just, our expectations are everyone to do their job. And if you're not doing your job, we're going to find somebody else to do that, your job for you because we're growing too quick to to put up with that stupid stuff. So gotcha. um, my ex- expectation for myself is I want to make our order fulfillment team a nightmare. I want them to have so many orders that they're backloaded and I just want it to be crazy. And their job is to get all those orders out. And my brother's job is to pump as much social media marketing and, and drive our website views. Mike's job is to make sure that all the orders are coming in in time and that we have inventory. So we're all like pushing each other to, to do as best as we can.
0: I love it. So do each of you have written job roles and responsibilities?
1: Uh, yeah, we have written somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere on a notebook. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm,
0: see, I'm curious because um, I have on, on my staff, I, 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 I make sure that when they come on board, I give them a template for a job role and yeah. I have them write their job role yeah. and their responsibility. I don't do it. That's funny. And the reason why is because I want them to write down what a perfect job for them would be and where their strengths are. And then we review it together. Some of the things may go out of the scope or some of the things are perfect, all that kind of stuff. And we have a conversation, so both of us work together in refining that, or a team lead does that. But I think it's really important to have those things written down because then it's very clear for us. that That's me.
1: I, right? like, I like that, that's a good idea. Because a lot of the time what I'll do is I'll say, hey, guys, you're currently working, whatever, five hours a week on CrossNet. I'm willing to give you five hours more, but what would you do to, in those five hours? Mm. And how can that contribute to our bottom line? So I do that a lot. It's more of an open-ended. I do that with a lot of friends who have like helped part-time. Hey, I, I know that you're a badass event marketer over at this company in New York City. When you get home at work from 9 to 5, do you want to do two hours a night? What can you do with those two hours? So I kind of phrase things like that a lot.
0: That's so cool. See, I, I, my next question was going to be, how do you motivate people? And that, that very well may be one of the things that you do. What else do you do to motivate people? Um, We definitely besides money. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. we do. um, I think it's just being with a a really big growing company. We just got my, my best friend, childhood best friend. Uh, We just hired him full time to run our warehouse team, the fulfillment center. And he pretty much left a career to start fulfilling volleyball nets. But he knows that he's with a growing company. We're about to go nationwide with like Academy Sports, like 256 stores, like we're growing. And people are seeing that this is not just a fad. This isn't just a dropship company. Like we're the real deal and we're going nationwide and it's going to only get bigger and bigger. So people are stoked to like jump on board because it's going to look cool on a resume in 10 years and everyone's going to know. It.
0: Maybe the Olympics one day? Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, I'll have to go check it out. We got an Academy Sports here in Springfield, so cool.
1: yeah, we'll be there in about. Uh, we're shipping orders next week, so it'll be there.
0: Wow! And okay. and how did how did you how did you come across this stuff? How did
1: you start licensing this stuff out? Uh, well, I would just be reaching out to the buyers on LinkedIn. So I would literally just go on LinkedIn, add all the buyers, start posting on my newsfeed, and then when the time is right, I'll I'll drop them a message. And the majority of the time they were either a already familiar with us because that's their job is to find sporting good companies. And we're one of the bigger ones or two, they'd see it in their LinkedIn timeline organically. And then they'd be like, Oh, it's a much warmer touch when I reached out.
0: That's fantastic.
1: So what's next for you? Um, so next we, we have Academy. We have Dick sporting goods that we're rolling out with. Uh, the whole, the goal is with the smaller stores that we are only working with a few of the stores sell out. Hopefully push a lot of customers to actually go pick up the game in, in stores and then expand nationwide. Uh with dicks, like we're just starting with like 25, 30 stores. So the goal is to be nationwide there, of course. Uh we just dropped the indoor model, which is great. So that's going to be a whole different upsell that we're working on right now. Uh, Fantastic. In, yeah. So product uh, we're releasing that new product, which is great, nationwide and more gym school like gym teachers. Uh, well, I, mean, no, I was
0: just going to say, cause if you have the, the schools using, they're using them outside.
1: So they're using them outside and now they are using them inside to learn how to play volleyball.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So. so am I, am, am I correct to assume
1: that you kind of run the operations? Uh, so I run the sales and the marketing side of the business as far as the operations and shipping and all that, that would be Mike, my co-founder.
0: Now, do you guys have, processes for ship, like written down workflows on how things get shipped out and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, we certainly do. And that is all in the training process. Uh, so that's where the bulk of our freelance staff is, is the order fulfillment. So mm. processing labels, each, uh, each wholesaler has their own shipping company. So each freelancer needs to have their information, the process, the orders. Uh, we're shipping each unit at a store level sometimes. So like Shields, They have like 30 locations out in the Midwest, we're shipping orders to 30 specific stores using 30 different shipping accounts. It's a lot of like nitty gritty work. So that's when the processes are really important. And we're using their credit card to bill. So like we need to be extra careful on that stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, because it starts seeing like there's a lot of moving parts in there. Tons. Are you constantly updating these processes?
1: Yeah, when they need to. Uh, For example, like we're learning the new Academy process because we just got accepted as a, a full-time vendor. Uh, so that will be one I need to learn it before I can teach somebody on it. So I'm learning it first, I'll then teach the the team lead of the department who will then pass it on to anybody else who gets hired.
0: Okay, I, this is super impressive. Um, I wanna dive into this a little bit and 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 then we can wrap up here shortly because I know you're you're super busy and uh, we both have things to do even though coronavirus is is killing everybody. <laughs> you just said that you do it first mm-hmm. one of my biggest pet peeves is hearing that term hey you have to work on your business not in your business i'm not a fan of that yeah. especially in the beginning you really do have to work and and because uh, the bottlenecks are are you know you me the, the 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 leaders in that organization right the the team leaders the owners all of that And they have this thing where if they're working on their business, you know, so they can live this great lifestyle and then they bring on these other people to do all these processes. For me, I believe it's very important for me to create the process, for me to experience whatever thing it is new that we're doing before it gets delegated to someone else. hundred percent. I'm so impressed that you said that, um, and that might be a reason why people are attracted to you and follow you in, in that way because uh, you walk the walk.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just common sense to me. If I'm getting a purchase order for 100 grand, I'm not trusting somebody from the Philippines or somebody I've never met before to fulfill the order for the first time. Like that jeopardizes everything I stand for in the company that we built. So I'm going to learn how to do it, I'm going to perfect it. I'm then going to walk walk, and hold your hand while you do it and make sure you don't screw it up. And then when you're good, then we can take it off my plate.
0: See, I love that because now somebody's learning the process. And they don't have to figure out what you're thinking. They don't have to figure out what's in your head. There's a step-by-step process to this. After you've already experienced it, maybe found a couple of friction points, identified those, overcome that. This is how Chris wants it
1: done. You do it this way. And then they, like, how can they mess up? Exactly. And, and they also, it, I'm always like straightforward. Hey, if you find a way to do it quicker or better that doesn't screw it up, let me know. Cause I'm all for saving the time and making it easier for you. Uh, this is how I know how to do it. You may know how to do it better.
0: See, I, you're so far ahead of your age. Uh, congratulations, man. Uh, as far as business level, uh, acuity and uh, maturity, man, way to go.
1: Thanks, Thanks man. Yeah,
0: that's huge. Um, what else? What else can you uh, do? You want to talk about uh, as far as how people can learn more about uh, what it is that you're doing?
1: Oh uh, well, if they want to learn more, you could honestly just hit me up at Chris at If you have any questions, I'm happy to lend some advice. I wish I had the mentors back then. I mean, I'm still kind of just figuring it out. Um, gotcha. But just stay stay frugal. There's no need to to spend a ton of money on things. We started this with literally the balance in our bank accounts. We pulled it all together and you're going to want to give up, especially as an entrepreneur, things are tough. Like it's not always going to be easy. There's going to be roadblocks that I'm sure I've faced in like six months. And I'm like, shit, like, should I reconsider this? Or did we do something wrong? But like life goes on, but just, just try, uh, be smart about it and and just keep giving it your all.
0: Good for you. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a corporate transfer as well. So (laughs) I'm proud to say that I'm unemployable. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I'm glad to see that you made the successful leap, uh, to entrepreneurship, man, uh, to you and your organization, uh, congratulations. And I wish you all the best.
1: Thanks, man. Thank you very much.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add before we, we wrap up?
1: Pretty straightforward, man.
0: Pretty it's straightforward. straightforward. <laughs> I love it. Chris yeah. Mead, you are the co-founder of CrossNet, the world's first four-way volleyball game. CrossNet combines elements of the childhood game four square and volleyball in a competitive game to 11 to win by two. CrossNet is now available at Walmart, Target, Dix, Academy Sports, Amazon, and a slew of other locations, man. Just let that sit in for a second. That's pretty impressive, man. Good job. Okay, hold on one quick second. We'll go ahead and wrap up. Again, my name is Jamie J with Culture Eats Strategy. I've been talking to Chris Mead today of CrossNet Game. And uh, he's he's making a lot of things happen and uh, cares about his organization uh, from the top down or from the bottom up. And I absolutely love it. So thanks for tuning in today. If you want to learn more, um, you can go, if you're watching this or listening to this while you're driving around, Don't worry, I've got everything that we talked about today along with all the links in the show notes. So uh, feel free to check it out later. And uh, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, Have an amazing day and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Chris. Thank you.